We're back, the Whiskey Hue, a podcast from three brown startup enthusiasts that pull back the curtain on business, tech, culture, and side pieces. <laughs> Not that type. We're talking emerging media, e-games, blockchain, you name it. If it's about making the money, it's all about the Whiskey Hue. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. We're three brothers, <laughs> various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business and startups mixed with a ton of sarcasm cue the motherfucking music <laughs> all right ice cube, ice cube. <laughs> we're coming in hot we're coming in hot somebody's tired of being in the quarantine <laughs> oh i'm so tired i'm tired you guys wanted to tape earlier you wanted to tape later i'm like nope that's my target day or i'm going somewhere my, my wife's working home today i just gotta go somewhere <laughs> we need oranges right i'm gonna go two states over and get some oranges god damn it i'm tired i got good oranges i'm at the berkshire i'm going up to- <laughs> <laughs> oh man and this is the whiskey hill ladies and gentlemen we're back this week week so it sounds like we've been, it sounds like we've been uh having a good time quarantine week 1506 <laughs> <laughs> oh man so this is the whiskey hill so what's up fellas how's it going through anthony tell me what's going on man what's going on Losing my damn mind, and I'm the one who doesn't have kids. Okay, oh, I'm, over here, I'm over here. I'm over here trying to figure out what I'm doing this weekend. Yet again, I'm like, ah, oh, it's a big weekend. Ah, uh, no, socially distancing. I, I was trying. I was trying to organize a get together at, at, at one of the parks. And I'm like, yo, we're gonna have to be six feet apart. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you trying to get arrested? That's what you tell me, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, I got something on your bail money, Anthony. I got something on your bail money. Zoom barbecue and stuff, man. I'm like, this Zoom barbecue, barbecue. You, right? You're like, you're burning the meat. You're burning the meat. <laughs> I'll tell you about kids. So my nine-year-old, I think he's now embodied a 50-year-old Asian woman. Or my, he's, like, he's like my mom or my dad growing up. So this kid, so I was in their bathroom and I was using their soap and it was, it was run down. There's no soap left, right? So then I come back. I'm about to replace it. I saw this dude had put, filled it up with water. Shook it up like my parents used to do as a kid. Hey, we're going to get an extra mile out of this shit, right? I'm like, man, it's 99% water, 1% soap, 0% effective. Kid, sit down. I don't know if I should be proud or mad. You taught him early about financial literacy. He was like, exactly. well, <laughs> it's like risk reward, you know. How, how dirty are my hands? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, oh man, you gotta tell us like one, you're a boy, so your dirt, your hands are dirty as hell, man. So you gotta like, <laughs> like I use real soap. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, all man. right, all right. So what are we drinking on today, fellas? Sound like sound like we already got started. What's what are we drinking on today? I started the bullet bourbon. Okay, yeah. bullet bourbons today. That's that's the, the whiskey of the day, and it's one of my fan tell. favorites. I like to say that. Later. Yeah, it's one of my fan favorites. <laughs> hey, wait! Why don't you guys wait till the next guy starts, and then you start on top? <laughs> you guys are exactly timing out. You guys are in harmony. Are we in the studio? <laughs> oh, shit! Like boys, man. Hey, man, you take you take the high octave. <laughs> no man go ahead you were telling us about bullet you brought it up Clyde. what were you saying no i just said it's one of my fan favorites i actually like to mix this one you know this is one of my barbecue summertime um uh, friend of mine introduced me to the bourbon lemonade so you know this is my bullet bourbon lemonade this is my go-to so this is a a sweet treat for me but you know i'm having a, a neat uh neat today you know so you know as we're gonna sip through the episode Talk about, you know, business, tech, and culture. 
with the whiskey hue and, you know, sip on a little bourbon today. Love it. I'm, I'm going to say something that sounds ironic as hell, man. I never I never add anything. It's just an ice cube because it's unhealthy. <laughs> I don't want to put those sweeteners in there. I want too much sugar. I'm going straight to the liquor. <laughs> so you're trying to live longer. I'm trying to live. Big pun. All right, I hear you. <laughs> Feel a buzz. Get a buzz with no diabetes, baby. That's what I'm about. It's in my culture, man. I got to hold back. Uh, you and me both. So yeah, so today, so today we want to uh, touch on an interesting topic that I think it's uh, near and dear to our hearts. Is you know, COVID nineteen is impacted and changed the way that uh, the world is has been shaped. But more importantly, a lot of the companies are coming out, changing the way that they're going to be doing business and allowing their employees to work from home. So one of the things that you know we wanted to bring up today was is take a deep dive into the work from home new culture how companies are making the change and shift, and then also how it's going to impact the, the, the global global uh, business world because I see it as a, a, a seismic shift of not only uh, the work from home and companies doing it, but also the commercial real estate property, which is going to be a major impact. So let, let's dive some deep into that, uh, deep in that topic today. Let's start where let's let's talk about who, who where it started. So we could say Seattle, San Fran area kind of started, right? Microsoft started shutting down early. I'm gonna I'm gonna peg it on one guy, Jack Dorsey, man. This guy is you know he's this exotic dude, Africa Jack. Like Dave- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. he's he's probably there right now, right? He was gonna do like three four months this year. He must have known about it early. He was I'm going to Africa, <laughs> but but then he get then he gets shut down or sold down by his board about the whole. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. They were angling for that. So Jack Dorsey, you know, as the founder of two major companies, Twitter and Square. So Twitter. So, you know, he's like we said, dates, models, eats one meal a day, takes ice baths, you know, drives fast cars. He's living that rich, rich life. Right. (laughs) He's extra rich. He can be that exotic. So one thing he's doing. So he's always been like this trend. He's kind of always always moved first. So when everything hit the fan. Uh, Twitter was one of the first companies early March before other companies started shutting down. He said, everyone worked from home back then. Right. And then he was the first, you know, on social media to start banning edits on posts, delete it or deal with it. So this thing with Jack Dorsey, right? Baller ass dude. So in Twitter, he owns 2% of the company valued mm-hmm. at 22 billion. So that puts his equity stake at around 500 mil, right? Half a billion square. He owns 34 billion. You know, it's, it's, Market cap is around thirty-four billion. He owns about fourteen percent of that. That's where his equity and his net worth is coming from. That's almost five billion, four point eight billion. So that's ten x his Twitter stake. I think what he was—he kind of wants Twitter off his hands, right? I think he's trying to devalue the stock a bit by putting all these things in place. He doesn't really care to evolve it. He hasn't done much to evolve it, right? But he's trying to kind of get it off his hands. Elliot Management has come up with what Anthony was saying earlier. Elliot Management, Paul Singer runs the show. It's an investment, you know, private equity group. They've taken board seats. They tried to oust him. They struck a deal to keep him in place, like in mid-March, I think, that he's going to stay on. I don't think he cares about this company. He wants it to get out. So then he started implementing these things. Hey, let's work from home for the rest of your life, right? You can come in if you want. Permanent, yep, exactly. And hey, if he gets this off his portfolio, dude, that money could be put somewhere else. But on the flip side, before we delve into everything, He's donating $1 billion of his net worth, right? That's like 28% of his net worth, uh, you know, for COVID research. Baller dude. So he's a first mover in a lot of things. He does not doing it for the vanity's sake. He's doing it just to do it, you know, be a good dude. So let's let's get into this. Um, 
And before and before you move on that topic, I did see that he's giving Andrew Yang and his fund some money as well for those uh, the Yang up. Foundation. Oh, Andrew Yang has a fund. That dude, I told you, man, told you. Seriously, foundation, foundation. Yep. Yeah, it fund Yang slash gang. foundation. <laughs> Yang gang. Oh man, Yang gang and private jets. Hey man, he's just going across <laughs> the street, dude. <laughs> 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 He gave he gave him five million dollars for the Universal Basic Income Project. Uh, so you know it's a drop in the bucket, but yeah. I think it's you know something that I think I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a little uh, prediction here first that it's gonna be for Yang's uh, mayoral run when he gets ready to take over New York City. I think he's gonna be the next mayor in New York City. They've been talking about that. I think you're spot on, man. A lot of people have been talking about that. I think I think he I think he has potential of being the, if Biden wins in the cabinet. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And then and then go and then go mayoral, mayoral role. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, let's see, man. We should, <laughs> we should do a Take bourbon. one more sip. One more sip, Anthony. Straight <laughs> <laughs> from the bottle. He's going Jimmy Hendrix. I'm taking a shot to the face. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. All right. Sorry for the interruption, but I did want to make sure they got that point in there because I thought that was really cool of Jack Dorsey and not only helping people to work from home, but also you know giving to the cause and donating the money as well. So look at this, right? So that's perfectly good. We'll do a separate episode on that. I think it's awesome. Uh, so Twitter did this. Google and Facebook have come out saying, hey, no one, you can stay home until the, at least the end of 2020. A lot of companies saying 2021. We know college campuses, are, a lot of them are saying here in New York, Columbia, hey, 2021, nothing's going to be held there, right? Well, mine is NYU. NYU started school. Oh, really? really? In the fall? Yeah. In the fall. Oh, <laughs> didn't know oh, that. You got a lot of expenses. Uh-huh. New York tough. Yeah, NYU has a lot of expenses. That's why. <laughs> wow. Aren't they like the second largest property owner in the city? Something wow. like that. In the top five. Yeah. It used so to they, be. It used to be. We were, they got a lot of mortgage to pay. No, it yeah. wasn't. We we were never owned anything. They only no, owned. They like, had the second. Oh, yeah. So yes, yeah, so they had the second. Le- uh, I mean, the first uh, highest amount of lease agreements, I think, or something like uh, that. Something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We should do a deep dive into that. It was just the whole WeWork debacle. Oh, and that- no, we can't. We can't let you do a deep dive in that. Man. <laughs> we, we, we don't have. We we'll have to make this two episodes for you. Right. <laughs> let's reel it. Let's reel it back in. Let's reel it back in. Reel it back in. Reel it back in. Finish it up. I think, look, so Silicon Valley, most expensive city in the U.S., New York City's number yep. two. I think Silicon Valley is changed forever, uh, and I think it's going to impact a lot of other major cities and even rural communities moving forward five, ten years out. So I'm going to set that up, tee it up, baby. Let's jump in. Yeah, so that's a great that's a great point because I think that, you know, this is going to change not only the way that people are working but real estate overall. Like, where, like if you had a chance to work for Twitter – Work for Google, Facebook, where you can make, you know, above the median median income and live anywhere in the country or world. I mean, you wouldn't live in these Silicon Valley places where you can spend two million dollars and get a one bedroom studio. I go to Austin, Texas or a small city in the rural area or, you know, somewhere where, you know, you can get, um, you know, a whole lot of house. Cost of living is is much better. And then you also have a, a higher quality of life because you're not dealing with the. The probably the biggest thing is the commute. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, kind of dominoes that'll fall into place once this takes over. And I think that Twitter taking the first step and going from a full remote well, work from home policy is something that's going to be game changing for those people who can do it. Well, I think it's right. Like for the for the tech guys, like you said, like it's no one needs to. There's very few of the roles that you need to be in in an office space, like in an office environment, right? Like you don't really need to be in there. So to your point, like if I'm if I'm here's the thing, if I'm 25, 
I'm fresh out of college or finished my master's. I still want to be in the cities, the big cities. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's where, you know, that's where, you know, arguably, I know, you know, I don't want to catch any backlash, but eh, shit, fuck it, whatever. Uh, (laughs) That's where that's where that's where most of the culture is. Right. Most of the culture, most of the fun. Austin does have it. Nashville does have it. It's a different it's a different dynamic. Right. And I think that's what's going to that's what we're going to find. Um, But the cool thing about that is you can be broke um, in your 20s, live in an apartment with four other people and, you know, not really care. They always say, live in New York City, you got to be super rich or super super young. And, yeah, and so you know, when you get to that two, 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 when you get to that point where you have one or two kids, and that's what you're seeing in the New York area right now, where you got the people who have you know a hundred, two hundred thousand ready to go for just a down payment or more. They're looking up in Hudson Valley or or a second home yep. or a vacation home or shooting over to Jersey, Connecticut, whatever, to buy a piece of property. Where if they're going to work from home, as long as I have a, off, a dedicated office. Uh, yeah. What the hell do I need to be in the city spending all this money for uh, a rent or something that's for 800 yeah. square feet? You can be <laughs> yeah. mindful, exactly. You can be mindful of your money. Like, hey, the less you can spend on your house, the more you can invest for your future, baby. And we'll get into that some other day because I know I'll go down that tangent. Yeah, five and then, then, Slow you down, ASAP. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, and then, right. <laughs> right. Uh, and then when you think about it, you know, one of the amazing stats that blew my mind was. Uh, there was a study done, I think it was in the New York Times, where they showed the uh, 50% of all the people who lived in Manhattan flee, fled, uh, flee, fled. They left They left Manhattan uh, during the coronavirus. So that was astounding to me, uh, specifically thinking about the makeup of the New York City market, um, specifically, you know, the income gaps. And 50% seemed a little bit high. But when I thought about it, I was like, you know, people who live specifically in Manhattan, where the study was highlighting 50% of the people who left, it made sense, right? Because no one really from Manhattan, no one who lives in Manhattan is really from Manhattan. Not at all. Um, so, you know, people come, come here for work, et cetera. So they have other places to go to, but then also they have the means to say, yeah. you know what, I'm just going to go and rent a house in Jersey or or like people I know, they went down to the Carolinas. They like, you know, we're just going to buy a car and we're going to drive to Carolina for four months. So, you know, I think people who have means, so... I think that's just going to trickle down to everyday life. There's like, you know, why do I need to pay fifty thousand dollars for uh, uh, school for my 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 uh, my second grader, yep. <laughs> where I can just go find a great school district district in you know Pennsylvania or Texas or wherever, and then you know still work for Google, Facebook, and Twitter. Yeah, I mean, just it could be it could be uh, of you know. Pre, like it was uh, pre 1980, like in the 70s and 60s, where the suburbs were the place to be, right? And 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 they left the cities. I don't think it's going to be that far uh, or away. It's never going to go. I don't think the pendulum is going to swing that that much. But I do think it might potentially swing for those who have families, right? Yeah. And, and that, and I think that's where. And I think New York City or the big cities will turn into areas where really for single majority single like it kind of still is but majority single and and or 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 young so so here's a question yeah i was gonna say here's a question for you guys so with that in mind how do you think this play financially not only for cities uh municipalities but then also just overall i got this that's where i was going okay okay, great i I know i I, I was still ready to bite (laughs) <laughs> ten years from now, I think I think ten years from now, a lot of the real estate in these major cities where people will start begin to flee, 
will be actually very reasonably priced, but that's that's 10 years on the road. Let's talk about immediately. So I think people from San Fran will find L.A. or Austin cheaper and they might flood to there. So some of these cities that are kind of their top tier city destinations, but they're at the cheaper end of them, like more reasonably more expensive, they might. Their prices may go up temporarily. Chicago might absorb some and it might go up a little bit. Right. But I think long term, a lot of these things will go down because then people from Chicago right now might leave and go to like an Austin or somewhere cheaper or just go to somewhere more rural or something like it. Now, how does this impact the local communities? So what I'm saying is I think there's a general evening out across America of people just moving to different destinations. Right. But hyper local municipalities, some of them might see a huge drive it. If you got a people, a bunch of people used to the San Fran cash moving to Nashville and starting buying up things, price is going to go up, right? Well, Austin already yeah. has, right? So Austin, so yeah. they, they, they said Austin's uh, rent or prices in Austin have gone up over, you know, roughly since 2010, almost 90%, right? And again, that's relatively speaking comparison, comparative to like New York and San Fran, even LA, because LA is expensive. Like I think we get caught by San Fran and uh, and New York, yeah. but LA is still expensive as well. Same thing yeah. with Miami, uh, parts of Miami, not all of Miami. But you know, yeah, if you had a New York City San Fran money that you get it from the tech guys, and you move to Austin, Nashville, you know, even Chicago, right? Like Chicago's expensive. It's not. It's not Chicago's on the level of New York. Google and Facebook money has come there. Because they've opened yeah. up operations, but and so the true there's a ten percent Chicago, true Chicagoans attrition rate. They're moving out because it's become expensive because the east and west yeah. coasters basically coastal folks coming in and driving up things. Now let's look at like local business. So let's look at just okay. Start from San Fran and move our way out. So San Fran, let's look at there. They did they did a lot of last minute business travel, right? All these cats, they're not gonna be doing that anymore because no one's gonna in the less of a clip of people will be living there and all that last minute business travel was great for the i was looking into it the airline industry flying out of out of san fran um and then now so real estate travel services i think restaurants daycares laundry mats and urban centers i mean come on all of us are utilizing that right uh these things are all going to be severely impacted so these mom and pop shops that were kind of keeping up afloat or even chains they're going to get hit if the the numbers aren't there to keep them up yeah, absolutely. So that's something we're going to need to watch. And I think that, you know, as this world is shifting from, you know, everyone going to the subway, to the train, or getting their cars, making those long commutes, everything is going to shift and change. And that's going to impact the way that revenue is made. Taxes are going to be probably higher. I, I can foresee how taxes will be higher because people are going to reduce the commercial in, commercial um, the commercial taxes that are going to be coming in for companies. So, for example, no one's going to build another uh, spaceship campus like Apple. Um, you know, they have this beautiful campus, so no one's going to be, able to be building those type of things anymore. So I think it's something definitely to watch and uh, one where I feel that um, in the near future, we're going to be we're going to be we're going to be overjoyed. But, you know, like everything, five years from now, everyone's going to be like, you know what? I'm tired of being at home. I need to go to an office. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, let's, let's dig into that for two seconds. Go ahead. Anthony. You have something? No, 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 no. I, I, I know. I know for a fact. Here, let, let's start speaking some facts here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've I've met a couple guys that years ago where where they were you know coming home to their to their kids and they're just like, yo, put me back in the office. Right? <laughs> 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 so that's it. That's it. <laughs> I'm not going to name names. I'm just going to keep it right there. But there, there's a there is a point. I think I think I think the office office space does 
breed a lot of positives that I think, mm-hmm. you know, people, you know, we're, with the remote culture that, you know, being remote right now is a necessity, right? It's, it, it is out of a, a global pandemic. That's one thing to do it just because um, you think it works better. I, I don't know, because there, there are some benefits for people to be close, you know, in person. Right. Uh, um, mm-hmm. When it comes to development, like sh- shit, Clyde, you're you're on the creative side. You're you're like, yeah. I'm not the creative person. Like you, I don't I don't know if marketers need to be in, in with each other sometimes to kind of brainstorm and ideate. You know, yeah, sales, sometimes sales yeah. people don't sales people. Ah, fuck it. Just give me what I need to do. Let's get it done. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I, I do see benefits for it. And I do think, yeah, I think there's going to be a point where some people are like, yeah, I don't want to be in the uh in the in at home working all the time 40 you know doing because no one works 40 hours a week when they're at home when they're working from home they they easily do 50 yeah. you know and yeah. it might be more than that because it, there's that there's that comfort level of just like, i don't have to worry about travel or anything of that nature yeah yep and then uh you know that commute time that they normally would use in the car or on a train yep. you know, working through that you wake up and walk downstairs and start working versus trying to commute so there's a lot of pluses and minuses associated with that but I think one of the biggest pieces is going to be centered around, you know, once the kids go back to school, you'll have yeah. a different environment. So right now we're in like a, <laughs> I say a hostile environment trying to do everything at once. Uh, but once it shifts and people start like, oh, you know what, I can get used to that if you have a mix. So for myself, I used to work from home um, pre, pre, uh, pre-COVID. And one of the things that got to me, I think, I think Anthony, you touched on this, was the camaraderie of just meeting and, and brainstorming and, and, and speaking with people. So, you know, having the ability to do that on a two to three day basis or, you know, uh, every now and then is great, but not having the ability to do that at all is where the, where the challenges come into play. You know, yeah. you know what I think is going to be a good, a good, a good buy right now. If this becomes a thing, a coffee shop. You buy, you make, the, uh, you, you create the right coffee shop where you can have multiple seats where people can come in and just sit and jump on that Wi-Fi and you create your own, you know, kind of system where you can say, all right, yeah. everybody has a $10 minimum if you're going to be here for like, you know, $10 <laughs> buy minimum if you're going to be here for more than, more than two hours. You know, but, that's right. called, you know, that's called an internet cafe. <laughs> yeah, cafe. <laughs> hey, then you ran out. I think Pete's Coffee is about to go, they're about to IPO. They're expecting around two, $2.2 something like that. It's going to be one of the largest for that, that world. Starbucks is been killing it right uh all along so i think some of these sexier i don't know if i'd go hang out in a dunkin donuts you know no offense from boston right uh, no, yeah, boston. Love, okay, yeah i love boston but anyway dunkin donuts, eh. <laughs> you know, uh, they, 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 don't, they don't create the they don't create the most uh yeah. comfortable environment in their stores it's like it's, grab and go it's, 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 it's sad though right because i'm looking at like i'd, I'd rather Oh, it's, I shouldn't even. I'm not gonna go. You know me. I'd say too many things. Yeah, well, listen, we're still looking. We're looking for a sponsorship right now. Let's, let's not. Let's not throw anybody under the bus. We just make the world. I'm safe to speak about, right? So I'm looking at. So across the board, 50 percent of companies are already looking into remote, hybrid, remote possibilities for their employees moving forward. In the banking industry, it's 60 percent. And the one thing I always thought about: how are they going to trust traders at home? Right. And because there's a lot of information that, you know, on the trading floor, you can secure that. Everything's good. But they've already secured it for a lot of folks who are trading from home right now. The secure lines, uh, the VPN logins, all of that. They've secured the entire process and they're looking at costs. It's like two to three thousand dollars to secure someone working at home. Well, that's not what you're you're not paying that in overhead and rent anymore. Right. Yep. So it's interesting. So J.P. Morgan, Merrill Lynch have already started looking into this hard. 
So let's see, that's going to, and that's a lot of real estate. Let's just look at New York City, our backyard. That's a lot of real estate here. So what these, so if, anyone that's going to be stuck living there afterwards, stuck sticking around, I mean, just think about that. <laughs> all these larger companies were subsidizing property taxes and all that for the residential folks who are already living there. Now, if these businesses aren't doing that, it's going to become more expensive to live there. I mean, somebody has to keep paying this, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to move. I'm, I'm, I'm really I, I want to dig into a lot of these numbers and see how it kind of starts playing out. Because well, it's, it's also, just, it's also yeah. go. I'm sorry, go ahead. My bad. No, I got nothing, man. I'm just going to keep talking about finance, you know. <laughs> no, I, I, well, it's on the number side of it. Then you look at the rentals, right? Like, so what do rentals really look like um, when it comes down to just, you know, like you got luxury condos that have popped up all over the place, right? Um, and, you know, what, are, and, they're, and they, you know, they're maxing out their prices. Like, they're, they're, you know, most people, when these times hit, you start to negotiate. Um, yeah. And do the prices start to drop? Overall, like, is that going to happen? Like, is that going to happen in Manhattan? Is that going to happen in the Bay Area? Like, our price is going to start to drop because of the the, the amount of people leaving. Um, or they're like, well, no, you're working from home. So, you know, let's keep yeah. the price steady or 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 small, smaller increases or dedicated different kind of lease structures where, you know, you have to have stay two years, to, you know, more more two year leases or three year leases. So if we follow um, the financial if we follow 2008, I think rent – so when it started evening out, when everything started kind of calming down, rents were going up. More people – less people opted to buy, so they were renting. So rents went up more – you know, and then sales went down, you know, according to each other. Now, and I saw like in 2007, 2008 when that all hit the fan, 2009 is when you got the best deals on homes, I think. So I'm thinking here because right now – so I, I, I don't know. I'm seeing like white-collar jobs are going to start kind of – going away in five, three, and I think in the next two quarters and start, and then people will start looking then, okay, now I need to, I don't need to upgrade or, you know, I might downsize even, or get into something less expensive or move somewhere else. So I think it's going to be interesting because this is a completely different play. Well, so what there, what, what was some of the reports and articles that, you know, I've been reading, um, have been this, uh, the demand has increased for purchasing of homes right now. Cause right. The difference of 08, 08 was literally a housing crisis, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, this, this, this people, the people who, you know, the, the a certain percentage of, of America who has the cash, who, who this, who this uh, high unemployment hasn't hit, right? Because this yep. unemployment rate right now is hit a lower, uh, the lower income of America, yep. really. So right now, those who have money are looking for homes, but the, the supply isn't there, right? The supply, because people who would put their house on the sale, people who would put their house on sale are not because of just uncertainty of the job market. They'd rather just stay stay put. You know, a whole whole slew of different uh, variables are are coming, but the demand is there, but the supply necessarily isn't. Yeah. And again, supply isn't based off of you know for those who have the kind of clean cash and you know money to put down. Clean the cash. They want. I'm sorry. You got something you want to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> you want? <laughs> I just I just I just I too many Netflix shows. <laughs> But so, yeah, like, so the supply, supply necessarily isn't there in a lot of these uh, surrounding areas. Uh, I think that's, that's going to rear its head when it comes down to prices increasing for homes. Uh, and that's what that might be. That might be the catch. So if you're ready to sell your house and you're like, Hey, I'm good. I can move to a, a you know, you know, if you're of a certain age, you could drop down to a condo or something like that. 
you might be in a good place if you want to get out your place. Yep, what, absolutely. And then you have, like, you, I think you were touching on this, uh, have all that New York money or San Fran money coming to these suburbans, like, for example, in New Jersey. Um, while, you know, the market has dropped 18% on home sales overall, um, New Jersey's is seen as a steadily increase because people are fleeing. I like to yeah. say that there's been an acceleration of timelines. For most yep. people. So if you think about it, say you were living in Brooklyn or, you know, Jersey City or whatever, and you say, you know, well, my kid's only two. I'm not going to pay taxes for two or three years early and I don't have to to get in that, free, that public school. Um, when I'm in a good public school. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to wait two or three years. But now like a pandemic. I'm stuck in my apartment. You know, I don't get to use all these great facilities, the city museum, et cetera. Let's just go move and use that disposable clean cash, as Anthony would put it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Let's go move now. And then now you have now you have these markets where uh, people would it would be it would be a it, it's 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 typically like a turnover. Like you have people graduate from high school, their parents will leave. Then you have a new crop of people come in. But now that that uh, that flow is is just off now with this coronavirus. Man, listen. I think I think I think you know people who are purchasing go for it. I think those who are renting in New York City or San Francisco, you know, observe your environment and, and negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Negotiate your rental prices. And to put a capstone on this entire thing, so watch whatever happens like in the Bay Area from with one company, other companies tend to follow. So and that then will yeah. trickle out yeah. the across the entire, you know, it's like was that manifest destiny in reverse? It's going east this time. It's gonna be interesting to want to watch. I'm using uh, Clyde's words there. There you go. There you go. I love it. So yeah. So you know, Jack Dorsey, Africa Jack. He changed it all. Uh, you know, I wish a lot of I wish a lot of people from home working. I uh, wish them a lot of luck. Uh, you know, find their groove. If you haven't moved already from New York City, you might be screwed. <laughs> um, or in all these big cities, but, you know, we'll watch it closely. And you know, I think uh, Thule pulled out two or three more topics that he said we'll get back to that soon. We're gonna be uh, <laughs> we're gonna be uh, looking for looking for it soon. So I think this is a great topic to touch on. And um, yeah, thanks for bringing it, fellas. So before we get off, uh, this has been a great episode of the Whiskey Hill. And one of the things I want to uh, share with you is um, um, is is specifically around uh, I should you should know. Uh, let's see if we can go through that real fast, fellas, and and, and uh, see see what see what you got guys got going on. Start us off, man. Start us off. So I'll start, I'll start, off. I'll start us off. I'll start us off. No one's prepared. No one's prepared. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's there's a Netflix special on. Uh, that I randomly discovered it's called They Gotta Have Us. It's oh, yeah. a uh, it's a documentary featuring all the black Hollywood uh, icons, Harry Belafonte, uh, Harry Belafonte uh, Robert Townsend, um, you name it from a black perspective of how essentially the black film industry was brought up, created. Uh, it's a three-part, uh, 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 three-episode season. I think it's well worth a watch and one I recommend, highly recommend that uh, everyone check out They've Gotta Have Us. And they talk about the Oscar So White and a number of other key features. One thing that stood out to me was a movie, um, uh, what was it called? I think it was The Hollywood Shuffle. The one oh, yeah. by Robert Robert Johnson. Johnson. He, created, he created it for pennies and ended up getting like, you know, I think 
uh, I forget the exact number what he made on the, on the film, but it was like it was like ten or twenty x of what he spent on, it and ultimately created that genre of you know creating movies in the black space and showing that there was a true market for it. Robert Towns is a legend. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'll look forward to that. I'll check right, that so out this week. I got this. I got this. Go ahead, I go got this. So I'm about to highlight. I'm about to highlight. Uh, I got a big up to uh, Hassan Minaj on the show oh, Patriot man. Act. Right. He uh, he did a recent episode uh, in reference to what's going on with with uh, with uh, COVID nineteen and people are renters. Since we were talking about that, um, there's a you know people are you know there's people doing rent strikes. They're trying to get that in movement so they don't have to pay. But what he's what he brought up was that, you know, there are some landlords who who are just going to kick people out regardless. And you have to double check that you might not, you know, you, you might have some rights here based off of how your landlord has purchased their home and their mortgage if it's government funded. So he created a site so you can so you can so you can double check to make sure you're OK. And it's called any 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 it's a government site, but he just consolidated it and he called it. Don't get kicked out dot com. <laughs> <laughs> so you can check if your building, is, you know, your, your landlord has a, a, a government funded mortgage and you can double check what, what renter rights you had that was put out by the CARES Act that was signed uh, by by the administration to, uh, back in March. So double check it. If you're in that if you're in that you know, situation where you don't have your income right now, you're unemployed, et cetera, don't get kicked out dot com. Yeah, Patriot. I had no idea who's doing that. It, it just launched again, right? I mean, they just started dropping series. Yeah, they just came. Yeah, just uh, relaunched the new episodes. Right. My kids love that. Don't tell my wife because he's cussing up left and left and right, and they're repeating it. <laughs> Get me in trouble. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna do Kevin Mayer. He used to be the head of Disney, Digital Disney, oh, right? So excellent. got passed over. Got passed over for the CEO role. Uh, and as we know, he didn't get that role. So he went to join TikTok as a CEO and COO of parent company ByteDance, which is the bigger deal for me. TikTok, social media play. Who knows? They, you know, usually as soon as they start hitting the fans, social media, you know, the hottest thing of the moment. Two years later, they're already like, OK, that was the hottest thing of the moment. They're already planning for the next social media play. I think there's some money there. Oh, but ByteDance, you might know, ByteDance has a market cap of seventy eight billion dollars right now. Disney has two hundred eleven billion Wow. Just Kevin Mayer was the one in charge of all the, a lot. He was a big, big part of the, the mergers and acquisitions, the acquisitions of Pixar, Marvel Entertainment, Lucasfilm, Star Wars, 21st Century Fox. I think ByteDance is going down that road where they're going to be putting out tons of content, high quality content versus what they're doing. Like TikTok, TikTok is a bunch of 13 year olds dancing around, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, I, I, so I'm so i not knocking TikTok. TikTok, and actually they're trying to go after the 24, 25 to 34-year-old group now. My friends are doing some business, some deal with them, trying to get their sales ramped up there. The funny thing about TikTok, so I had to learn what TikTok, I mean, we talked about this. TikTok I had to learn about because I had a, I was interviewing them for uh, something, a panel about, back in December. I learned about it, and it's it's not for me. <laughs> it's, but, but now they were telling me there's like these 45-year-old dudes living out of a Toyota Camry and um, talking about financial literacy, I'm like, man, come on. And nothing against a Toyota Camry. You drive it. It's a beautiful car. But you know what? If that's, that's what you're living in <laughs> and you're talking about finance and how to be successful, shut the hell up. Go away. <laughs> drive away. <laughs> drive away. <laughs> but anyway, but TikTok's going to – they're trying to do the thing. But ByteDance, I think they're going to go heavy into content. And they're gonna, they hired an American dude so they can play. It's a Chinese company. So mm-hmm. I think they want to play here. And he has all the relationships. He's got the Rolodex up to Wadu. So let's see what happens. 
all right all right no that's dope that's dope so we got some uh great shit you should know and uh appreciate it fellows and before we close out i just want to give a quick review of the bullet bourbon we've been sipping on for this episode um you know any any thoughts uh, bullet's been always been my go-to drink of uh, bourbon for mixed drinks. So <laughs> I, I make my old fashioned with bullet. So <laughs> like, it's, it's like, it's like a utility, utility bourbon to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> it always has been. That's how my neighbor introduced it to me. Like he said, Hey, I, I use this with mix. My, my neighbor's a big bourbon dude. He's the one that's been getting me into all of these, but, uh, yeah, he brought it that way. Then I tried it straight. I like it. It's, it's got a, it's got a kick to it. It's got a kick to I, it. I, th- I think. Uh, I think. I think. A fool's like living, you know, where he lives. It's like a whole bunch of guys. It's like a com- whiskey compound, right? Like whiskey bourbon compound. <laughs> so we used to have this thing called Daddy Scotch Club. All these dudes, we work our asses off, and then we're like, we're just tired of the whole situation. <laughs> we each bring a bottle, meet up in our clubhouse, and we introduce each other to a new bottle. That's how. The, that's what we used to do. Daddy Scotch Club. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 just like, <laughs> anyway, all right, go ahead, man. No, no, for me, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it's a great mixing bourbon. It's something that's smooth. You can um, uh, has a small little bite, um, but it's it's like the it's like the I say the the uh, the Magic Johnson of bourbons for me. You know, you can guard off all five positions, so you can play play everywhere. You can ice, knead, mix. Uh, it's one I definitely think we should. Uh, add to the add to add to your list if you're checking it out and the flavor profile is good uh, with hints of maple, oak, and and nutmeg um, are some of the things that you know I read about and, and taste as well. So this has been a great episode of the Whiskey Hue. Uh, you know, thanks for your time, fellas, and make sure everyone checks us check us out. The number one podcast in the world, um, hosted by Anthony Athilai. <laughs> Follow us on iTunes. The Whiskey Hill. Check us out. Thanks. Peace.